And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down with her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long after them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. This past week, um, as you know, the, the session set aside a special day on Wednesday uh, for a day of fasting and prayer. Uh, I had sent out an email prior to that if anybody had any specific requests that I would love to be able to spend time in prayer for those. And I thank you for those who, who did send those in. It was uh, Honestly, it is a privilege to be able to pray uh, for the body of Christ, uh, to share and to bring these requests before the Lord. Uh, so if you ever have requests that you would like me or the, the session to pray for, uh, even confidential ones, we would love to be able to do that and uh, pray for you in that regard. Uh, it certainly is a privilege. Um, I, uh, uh, I spent most of the day here in the sanctuary, and um, it hasn't been too often during my time as your pastor that I've set aside an entire day uh, just for prayer. Um, I pray through our congregation regularly, but uh, on Wednesday I was able to pray for each and every one of you by name. And it was, uh, honestly, it was a good experience for me. Um, it was uh, a joy to be able to do that. Uh, one of the things that I realized as I, was, as I was going through that is that there's a lot of hurt and pain and suffering in our lives and in the world. There's a lot going on. And... Um, and it is good for us to be able to bring that before the Lord in prayer. And honestly, if it wasn't for the hope that we have in Christ, I think that we would just be crushed by the weight of the things that are going on. But thankfully, we have hope. We are thankful for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ, that because of Christ, we do have hope. And because of Christ, we can pray. So I think that coming to Luke 18 this morning obviously is providential, uh, in particular with what went on this past week with our day of fasting and prayer, uh, but it's also a good reminder uh, for us about prayer. So as we come to the parable this morning, uh, Luke begins by saying uh, the words of Jesus here in verse 1. Normally when Jesus tells a parable, what we get is a cryptic meaning. Usually at the end, he'll, he'll say something cryptic that maybe 
those who are paying attention carefully will understand. Uh, sometimes he has to explain it to his disciples later. This is what the parable means. Well, for us this morning, Jesus starts with the meaning. He gives it to us right away, and he says it's very simple, that you ought to always pray and not lose heart. So in this certain city, in this parable that Jesus is telling us, uh, there was a judge. And this judge didn't fear God, and he didn't fear man. In other words, what rights did this man have as being a judge? He is completely unqualified for this position that he is in. Um, But yet, there he is. And in this same city, there is a widow. And the widow has a conflict with another person, and the widow comes to the judge uh, demanding justice against her adversary. Uh, The widow, in a sense, has nothing. She's a widow. She doesn't have status in the community. She's a widow, which probably means that she is poor. She has nothing to offer. And in the the situation with this unjust judge, what he's probably looking for is a bribe from her in order to give a judgment that she would would appreciate, but she has nothing to give to him. But the one thing that she does have, she employs, and that is her persistence. She basically wears the judge down. And then finally, she is able to get the response from this unjust judge that she is looking for. I think it's funny, verse 5, how how, uh, Luke puts it, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, you can imagine in your mind that what he's saying is because of her constant nagging, I'm finally going to give in to her and give her what she wants so she'll just finally leave me alone. This is what the unjust judge says. So Jesus says that he tells this so that we would pray and that we would not lose heart. So what's the moral of this story? How do we we see ourselves in this story? Uh, Are we supposed to assume that God is like the unjust judge? And if we simply come to him and nag him enough with what we want, then finally God will give in and give us what we want. Is that what Jesus is telling us in this parable? Uh, The answer is no. Um, God is not the unjust judge. Uh, in this. Um, There's a a quote in the the commentary by J.C. Ryle where he quotes another man by the name of Quesnel. He says, we may make a good use even of the worst examples. Everything serves to display the justice and the goodness of God either by way of conformity or by opposition, which is what we have this morning, either as lines which form the resemblance thereof or as shadows which heighten the luster and the liveliness of the colors. just love the language that they use. We just don't use that type of language anymore. Um, But uh, what we have this morning is that in the shadows of this unjust judge, we see the luster and the beauty of our God um, who is not unjust. So the point that we'll see this morning is because God will give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night, we should always pray and not lose heart. Um, It calls to mind the doctrine of election this morning. We're going to speak briefly to that uh, because Jesus says that God will give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. So what is this doctrine of election? Who are God's elect? And in reality, it's one of the deepest and most beautiful doctrines in all of Scripture. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 1, 
uh, the beauty of this uh, intro to Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption through son, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Our salvation, therefore, is God's choosing. It is not our own. And this is beautiful, because we would not have chosen God unless God had chosen us first. And deep down inside, because of our sin, we know this to be true. Our sin causes us to have this rift with God. And without Him reaching down to us, we would not have chosen Him. Without God's electing mercy and His grace, we would not have salvation because we are dead in our sins. And it has been God's plan and purpose from the beginning to give faith to His elect in Christ, um, to give faith to those of His own choosing and for His own glory. I know this doctrine of election causes rifts in the Christian community. But in reality, this doctrine of election is about God's love for us, about His love. And when we grasp the realities of the doctrine of election, it leads us to give glory where the glory is due, and that is to God, because He receives the glory alone. Understanding election helps us to see that it is God who loves and cares for His people from the beginning and to the end. Because that is uh, salvation from God is from the beginning to the end. God in His great mercy not only offers us salvation in Christ, but He actually accomplishes it through Christ and causes it to come to life inside of us through our election and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So from beginning to end, salvation is a gift of God. Because we know that God is a merciful God who loves us, we also know this, that we can come to God in prayer with the things that we struggle with, uh, with our desires, with the desires of our heart. Because of our election, we have a claim on God because He has made a claim on us. We have God's ear, in a sense, because we know that we are His as His elect. Uh, the woman came to the judge without a, a claim in the world. She had nothing to, to claim from him. He didn't care about her, and she didn't have a leg to stand on. Yet because of her persistence with the judge, she received justice. We, we have a claim on God because of his election of us. So how much more will we receive justice from God who loves us and cares for us? So what are the marks of those who are elect? How do we know, well, this person is elect and this is not? In reality, we don't know. And uh, we shouldn't seek to, in a sense, say, well, you are elect and you are not. That's not the point. But those who are elect uh, uh, exude characteristics. And we read this in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 3 through 4, where Paul writes, Remembering before God, our God and Father your work of faith, your labor of love, and the steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. So God's elect are marked by true faith, 
by hope and by love. And those who are elect in Christ are marked by prayer, as we see this morning as well. The elect have faith, and faith and prayer are inexplicably linked to one another. Uh, As Augustine said, he says, when faith fails, prayer dies. In order to pray, then, we must have faith that our faith fail not. We must pray. Faith pours forth prayer, and the pouring forth of the heart in prayer gives steadfastness to faith. So, faith leads to prayer, and prayer leads to faith. There is an inexplicable link there. So, what is prayer? I asked the kids this morning, what is prayer? And one of them said, talking to God. That is a great, a very simple definition of what God, uh, what prayer is. Um, we have a relationship with God through the covenant of grace. And prayer is that communication in that relationship. Uh, imagine uh, a relationship that you had where there was no communication between the two partners. Imagine living with your spouse and cutting off all communication with them. What would happen to that relationship? It would falter. It would die. Uh, there needs, there's a requirement of communication to maintain a relationship. Prayer is the life breath, as some have said, of a Christian It's the evidence of our conversion. It reveals a heart that has been transformed by the power of the gospel in our lives. And the Bible says a lot about prayer. Uh, Jesus prayed often. He often went off by himself to spend time in prayer with his heavenly Father. Uh, We have a great example of the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, where he prays for the world. He prays for those that are his. He prays for us. Uh, He taught his disciples how to pray using the the, the Lord's Prayer, which we recite, we recited this morning, and we recite almost every Sunday as well. And Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So if Jesus prayed, if he taught us to pray, if he demonstrated prayer for us, if we're called to pray without ceasing, if it's the lifeblood of a Christian, if it is the evidence of our conversion, of a heart transformed by God, if it is the communication that we have in this relationship with God, then why is prayer so hard? Prayer is hard, is it not? Uh, As I was reading through a couple of commentaries that I usually do uh, preparing for for sermons, um, Philip Ryken Uh, started off his commentary on this section by just listing the different things that make prayer so hard. He says that we are physically weak. Sometimes we fall asleep when we pray. If I were to ask for a show of hands of who has ever fallen asleep when they've been praying, uh, I think maybe every hand would go up. Uh, My wife is not here this morning, uh, but she would express this frustration, that if we get to bed and it's late at night and we begin praying with one another, uh, it Without fail, I will definitely fall asleep while we were praying. As soon as my head hits that pillow, um, uh, I'm a goner. So uh, uh, I am definitely guilty of this. The disciples were guilty of this in the garden. Uh, He also says that we're lazy, that we lack discipline. We don't make the time. Uh, Not only that, but we're also indifferent to the things that are going on in the world. And that one kind of hit me. 
Because if we cared more, in a sense, about what is going on in the world, then that would drive us more to prayer. Uh, he says that we are independent and we feel as if we don't need God. Guilty of that as well. Uh, not only that, but we lack faith and also sometimes we just simply lose heart. And I think that's what Jesus is talking to this morning uh, for those who have lost heart in prayer. But Jesus calls us to be persistent in prayer. The widow in the parable came to the unjust judge without any pretense Uh, Nothing to offer except for a cry for justice, and the judge granted her request when she persisted. Will not God, who is loving and merciful and kind and just, grant us our just request when we come before him in prayer? So Jesus says that he will grant justice to the elect. But what if it seems that as if God is not answering our prayer? And this is the question that I posed to the kids this morning. Who hasn't had the experience where it seems like God is not listening to our prayers? Who hasn't prayed for a loved one to be healed and they weren't? Or for a child who is straying and it seems uh, like God is not answering our prayers? Why does it seem like God answers our prayers less often than we would like? In other words, what is this justice that Jesus says that God will grant to the elect and he will do so speedily. What is this justice? Well, if we think about being parents, and we know that justice for our children isn't always giving them what they desire, it's doing what's best for them. The same is true for us and God. Justice isn't always answering our prayers exactly the way that we selfishly desire. And that could even be in terms of healing. Justice for God is answering our prayers in a way that will bring him the most honor and the most glory. Justice is this prayer that we recite from the Lord's Prayer, that your will be done on heaven, on earth, as it is in heaven. Even if it's not what I desire, I desire what you desire, God. And those are difficult prayers to pray. But as we persist in prayer, God molds our heart to desire more of what he wants and less of what we want. But why would we continue to cry out to God day and night, as it says in Luke 18, if it seems like God is long in answering our prayers? Jesus says that God will give justice speedily. But what does that really mean, speedily? Well, um, as I mentioned, uh, I think a week or two ago, uh, I've been reading through The Hobbit with my children, and it reminded me of a phrase actually in the Fellowship of the Ring uh, in the movie that Gandalf says as he is introduced as a character. Uh, Gandalf is a wizard for those of you who don't know the Lord of the Rings. Uh, But as he shows up in the first movie, uh, he comes and, and Frodo, one of the main characters, comes up to him and he says, Gandalf, you're late. And the response that Gandalf gives is that is this. He said, a wizard is never late, Frodo Baggins, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. And I think that's the same, uh, the same is true with God as well. God is never late, and he is never early. What he does is he answers our prayers precisely when he means to. And he does so speedily. 
But what does that mean in terms of God? What is speedily? His speedily might be different than what, how we would define speedily. For to him, a thousand years are like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. One thing we do know is this, that as God's elect, we can continue to cry out to him day and night in prayer, because as his elect, we know that God keeps his promises to give us justice. And we hold on to this truth. Uh, Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who, who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. God's elect can continue to cry out to him day and night in prayer because we take refuge in God's will no matter what the circumstances. The elect can pray God's prayer in the garden Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It's a hard prayer, isn't it? Not my will, but yours be done. How can we really pray that prayer unless God has transformed our heart to desire his desires above all other things? And God uses this prayer to humble us, to bring our will in conformity to His. Praying, not my will, but yours be done, is a prayer of surrender and allowing God's glory to shine through us. And God's elect will continue to cry to Him in prayer day and night because God's elect understand that God uses all things for good and that the trials and the temptations and the struggles and the frustrations that we have in this life are what God uses to, uh, to draw us closer to Him. Romans 8, 28, that famous passage. We know that, uh, that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. And as James 1, verses 2 through 4 says, "'Count it all joy, my brothers.'" When you meet trials of various kinds, for the, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So Jesus ends with a question. He says, when, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And the way that we demonstrate our faith is through prayer. So in a sense, when the Son of Man comes, will he find the elect praying? Yes, the, the elect will, and this is our call from Jesus today. So practically, how do we do it? How do we persist in prayer? Uh, there are many ways and forms and formulas and, and prayers that you can pray. Uh, you can pray the Lord's Prayer. You can keep a list and pray through a list of prayer requests. Uh, you can pray through Scripture you can pray at set times, like before meals and at bedtimes with your children. Uh, the point is not how. The point is that we should, and that we should persist. Just pray. Persist in prayer and do not lose heart. Because God has given us justice at the cross. He has given us the good news of Jesus Christ, that our sins have been washed away. And if God has given us that, won't he graciously give us all things?
So our call this morning from Jesus is that we should continue in prayer to cry out for justice day and night and not to lose heart. Let us pray. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, help us to respond to this call appropriately. I pray that you would work in us by the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts by the truth of the gospel so that we would pray and not lose hearts. We admit and we confess that we often do lose hearts. We don't see the point in prayer. Uh, Father, we don't care enough even. We become lazy and we lack discipline. And Father, so we don't pray. I pray that you would instill in us a desire to come before you in prayer. Knowing that, the, the, as it says in James, that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Knowing that prayer is our communication with you, and that even through it, you are conforming us to the image of your Son. Father, work in and through us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.